Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Humanly. My name is Daniel Reuters, and today I'm joined by Amanda Vollmer. Amanda is a professional holistic health practitioner, and you've been in the health and wellness field for many years, Amanda. So welcome along. Thank you so much for coming here today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Daniel. You've been, as I said, uh, practicing in the natural health and, and medicine industry for many years. So did you just want to give our listeners a bit of a background on what interested you originally in, in getting into health and wellness and what your journey through the um, health industry has been like? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been um, a long journey for me being in my youth interested in, in health through diet, through changing my diet from my own uh, health issues from vaccine injuries and uh, the destruction of my, my gut <laughs> microbiome. And I, I started to look at the world around me and being, you know, inquisitive and a seeker. And like I would be, you know, mixing, you know, packets of ketchup and, and mustard in the restaurants to see what I could come up with. I was always doing those sorts of things. So I always was sort of a, an alchemist in my nature. And I always felt like I was here for a reason. I never um, wondered about that. I, I, I had... Uh, really quite a magical youth. And I was pretty shocked to find out that people couldn't see energy and auras and couldn't read people's thoughts and minds and things. And it's like, oh, I thought that was normal. (laughs) Um, So I actually backed off from that once I realized it. And I think that happens to a lot of children who aren't uh, embraced and, and they're judged and then they suppress their natural gifts and and only later on they they come back to them. And so for me, it was always, I was very passionate about nature and passionate about the the natural world and animals. And so I wanted to actually be a holistic veterinarian. That was where, where I got into the medicine side because I, I was actually training to be an author and uh, I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be a, a visual artist. So I was painting. I had all kinds of, of paints and, and, and different media that I was working with. So it was interesting coming into uh, science that way and then the healing arts. And so I have that nice duality where I can uh, pull in the intuition and pull in the creativity and then also blend it with some pretty hardcore science and chemistry and these sorts of things. And so I have my undergrad degree. I decided to go to out to Lethbridge, even though I'm in Ontario, Canada, uh, just to travel and to get out somewhere else. And I really enjoyed my alma mater, which was uh, University of Lethbridge, and I have a degree in agricultural biotechnology. It's a it's a Bachelor of Science, and um, it was fascinating to me. I I really enjoyed that whole opening and learning about in the industry around food, which was um, kind of shocking because I was one who was you know basically playing around with DNA in the lab and manipulating plants and seeds and so forth. Um, while you know Monsanto and all of these uh, Cargill companies were trying to headhunt us and so forth. And it's a very demented industry. Um, But I got to question them and talk to them and 
and see what it was about. So going through that, I realized that there's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of lies, and there's a lot of bad science being done in the name of industry and in the name of political agenda. So I started to wake up to what's really going on behind the scenes. And then I would always read. I mean, I was reading herbal books. I was reading Rosemary Gladstar before I even knew <laughs> much through my training, through my naturopathic training. Um, I did a lot of um, holistic learning on how to help animals using homeopathy and, and herbal medicine and Chinese medicine, um, especially when I lived in Edmonton under my mentor, Dr. Stephen Marsden. And then I went to naturopathic college because the veterinary college wasn't interested in a holistic veterinarian approach. They were very threatened by that. Um, and I got into human medicine more so. And it just really blossomed. I, I connected with uh, a lot of orthomolecular ideas. So meaning like higher doses of vitamins to cure disease. Uh, I was very interested in energy work and in healing, using the laying on of hands, um, calling in light, using frequency healing. I learned about Dr. McNaughton and him doing color therapy. That was actually one of the first modalities that got me interested in human medicine was using um, color to heal. And, uh, and also I was reading things like vibrational medicine. Um, I, was, I was reading all kinds of experiments where they were doing um, sending energy through time and, and space and seeing what happens on the other side. And it, to me, that was just fascinating. So I went to the formal training, the formal medical school training in, uh, in Ontario, I came back to Ontario for that four-year naturopathic program. And um, in school, I really saw there was another agenda, and the agenda was to dilute and destroy naturopathic medicine. And I was very uh, upset what I was seeing because, you know, here in, in Canada, we, can, we have prescribing rights um, now. And we, back then when I was in school, you know, which was 11 years ago, when I graduated, we, we, didn't, we didn't really <laughs> have any of those things. We had title, but we didn't have um, prescribing rights. Now we do, which is part of the destruction of our medicine. And um, it, I, got, I was whistleblowing and I was going to all these different uh, events and handing out flyers and trying to help naturopaths understand that it, it's not what we want. Um, it's not what the nature doctors would have wanted. And we don't suppress and we, we actually help the body to recover naturally by using uh, sound holistic principles based on, on nature. So, I mean, our first introduction to naturopathy was through hydrotherapy or water cure. Um, you know, Dr. Benedict Lust, for example, is one of our forefathers of naturopathic medicine. And, and uh, he used Dr. Knipe's uh, water therapy methods. And that was really the, the birth in like 1900s of naturopathic medicine. And where are we with this now? We're onto the same old crap as what the MDs do and fail miserably at helping people with. So um, why do we want that? I just didn't understand. I didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. So as a result, when I went into my um, last year, um, I had made a lot of en enemies and I, I guess I underestimated how hateful and spiteful a lot of these people uh, in the higher positions of naturopathic medicine are. And they made sure I was never going to be licensed by their licensing body, no matter what they, no matter what really. And, and so in a sense, it's beautiful because I'm free. Uh, naturopaths typically can't talk about the dangers of vaccines. 
Uh, they can't uh, speak out against anything that their board or their organization doesn't want them to. And if you do, you go before a review board. And many of my colleagues actually already have just from this whole, you know, COVID, COVID scam. Um, they're not allowed to make these comments. They're not allowed to say how you actually can help yourself <laughs> through a flu, which is all this, this nonsense is your regular normal flu, what you do, right? And to me, that was, that's very telling that it's usurped and it's, it's being destroyed. So um, being a free agent, I uh, dropped title and I just continued to help people. I never stopped helping people from, from that day, from my graduation day in 20, uh, 2008. Wow. So I've learned a lot since, I'll tell you, yeah. from all these experiences. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey so far. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that there's some like dilution of naturopathy in Canada because I was always of the opinion that it was a little bit more pure. Uh, and I've certainly noticed that that's happening in Australian naturopathy. We're getting so far removed from the traditional practices and utilizing the therapies, like as you said, the, the water cure and the uh, things like color therapy and energy um, healing. We don't use those things anymore because they're not considered to be science, right? So it's very much now you can only practice something if it's validated in a journal and we're losing what makes us special. So do you think that that's been an intentional thing or is this something that is happening because we're trying to have more of a, like an integrated model in, into the Western medicine model? I, I feel it's by design. Yep. I think uh, like, for example, here, Health Canada interfering and in involving themselves and in dictating what can be taught and what shouldn't be, you know, brought forward and reducing our access to a lot of these holistic and natural remedies and making them what they did. And this was when I was in school and I was trying to stop this as well, is they lumped in our medicines under the food and drug act. So basically now like I formulate um, medicine and I can't, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do it as a practitioner. So say if somebody comes to me under prescribing rights, like I, I'm allowed to do compounding. Um, so it's a loophole at least I have, so I can continue to help Canadians. I can do it anywhere else in the world that will allow it, which is ironic because Canada is so locked down. Um, we can't get things that are really powerful here. And we don't have a lot of variety because companies won't even bother with us because they have to go through this ridiculous NPN numbering system for anything they want to sell if they want to make any claim at all. So if they want to say, you know, um, like, for example, I make tooth soap and it, it remineralizes the teeth. And I've actually had lots of people say that's healed their cavities, but I can't say that because then I'm making a claim. So I can only do things for cosmetic reasons um, in Canada which whatever i can make up all kinds of language i'm very creative as as we discussed so we can we can make pictures of art Here, here's how it heals the teeth you know? uh, whatever we can do miming uh, we'll probably have our own language anyway at some point with all this ridiculous double speak so we'll, we'll do code and yep. all kinds of underground stuff while we transition out of this insanity um but and i'm saying is that you know, Canada is actually very restrictive and it's, it's been under socialist regime for, you know, at least six years now. Um, and it's, it's telling it's degraded since if you, you went back in time six years ago, we had way more variety. We had way more excitement. We had way more businesses. 
um, the small town I moved into to get away from the city. Most of the businesses already were shut down even before this, this COVID's hoax. So, you know, it's, it's part of the long-term agenda to slow kill all these industries and regulate them to death. Um, That's how you stop flow of creativity. There's redundant laws already for fraud and things that would hurt you. Um, There's no evidence that any of these natural remedies hurt anybody anyway. Um, But there's a lot of evidence that the things that Health Canada supports kill and maim and hurt people. So we know that they are wrong and we are right and they are not our friendlies and they are not to be trusted and they need to be taken away or we walk away from them. And that's really where I see things going. I I see a very strong divide happening uh, in all kinds of uh, areas, including schooling, um, the way we do business, um, money, of course, and how, how that's going to transform and medicine, all areas are, are changing rapidly right now. And not just for the bad, even though there's a lot of terrible things going on. Um, currently, it's because we have such a change happening so so quickly and it's hard to adjust to that. So we just have to keep in mind that as much as it looks terrible, uh, as things fall apart, we're actually rebuilding new systems underneath that. And they will emerge and they will be successful and no one can stop it. So I'm very optimistic that once we get through these dark days, which might take a number of years, we will come out with, you know, the proper homeschooling, the way that we like to do our business and interactions. And we do things privately rather than in the public eye where the evil ones have jurisdiction. Mm. So lots of changes going on. Yeah. Such a great thing. And, uh, it's really surprising for me to hear that because certainly the sentiment with the practitioners that I speak to in Australia about Canadian naturopathy is that it's so far ahead of its time and it's um, sort of, you know, groundbreaking uh, practice happening over there. And we're sort of trying to embody ourselves around the way that the Americans and the Canadians are practicing naturopathy. But you're sort of saying that now it's just becoming so highly regulated that you're losing the magic. And this is happening in Australia as well. Um, at the moment, we're not regulated under the same bodies as uh, other healthcare professions. So like doctors, nurses, pharmacists, we're sort of separate. We're almost self-regulating in a way. But there's this big push now um, for us to become registered and fall under the banner of, of the government. And whilst I can see some positives to that, I can also see a lot of downsides to that with restricting our practice. So that makes me concerned that we may be heading in that way. We're going to lose all of the traditional practices that we have. And the other thing that concerns me about the industry as well, and you mentioned this before that there's very little discussion around things that we can do to make ourselves healthy during this time is that so many um, well-respected practitioners in the Australian naturopathic community, they're promoting, basically just parroting everything the government's telling them. Keep your Mm -hmm. distance, stay inside, wear a mask, wait for this magic jab that's coming that's going to save everybody. And not a word uh, from any of them about ways that we can restore our, our health naturally. And it really concerns me that we're heading down this track. So like, are you seeing the same thing over in Canada with practitioners or are they sort of 
still trying to promote the uh, natural healing strategies as well. Yeah, they're gagged. Uh, all of the holistic practitioner fields are either brainwashed into thinking that vaccines are good. Um, they, they're, they've been dumbing down the knowledge and they've been keeping the, uh, the carrot dangling in front of the naturopaths about prescription rights and about pretending they're, they're better than other people, just like they do to MDs. So they have egos and they've really stopped learning. And so unfortunately, over the last three years now, I used to get people coming in to my office to say, you know, I went to the MD and then I went to the specialist and then I went to the other specialist and then I went to the other specialist and nobody helped me. And I just got worse and I got more damage from what they did to me and I'm done. But now I'm also getting stories saying I went to the MD. I got tired of them. I went to an ND and I got tired of them because they never helped me either. And that started getting more and more of these stories over the last two or three years, which was a big red flag because uh, I really wasn't getting a lot of that before. So that means it's working. They're degrading them. And most of my colleagues, if they talk about it, they'll be reprimanded. So obviously they're not going to. But even so, um, even even my colleagues that I literally were with in my graduating year saying things like vaccines are the best thing that's ever been invented. And, you know, uh, this is, you know, this is how the immune system works are missing glaring information about how the body actually works because we're taught we're taught to observe we don't need rigorous blood tests and all of these samples and all of these scans to see what's going on with the body we're trained to look we're, we're trained to listen and then we figure out what's going on and it's actually not that difficult so the fact that they're running through all these batteries of tests just like the mds who are also blinded by science we're getting, you know, the that naturopaths are blinded by science now too. So it's it, to me, it's like a big hex put over people's inner sight, and they have fallen for this egoic. I don't know. Ego, it's just an ego trip. That's what it seems like to me. Um, and then just using people again, just to make money and have their own fun, and not really caring about the outcomes and their success rate. Um, it's a very difficult situation to be in, to be responsible, feel like you're responsible for somebody else's health. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've had some, some really powerful cases where, you know, I'm always trying to teach them really how to take care of themselves. And that should be the primary goal because when, when the client leaves you, they should know what to do. They should have a new skill set so that if something came up again, they would know what to do. And to me, that's a successful outcome rather than making sure, like even in my clinic year, they kept saying, don't give too much, only give a little, make sure they come back every week. So they're paying you every week. And also uh, part of the regulation was getting under the insurance scam too. So that's probably why your naturopaths are like, let's get this going on so we can get all the insurance money because ins the insurance scam is huge. I mean, when I was formally practicing after graduation, about 80% of the people that were coming to see me were just coming because they needed to use up their insurance. That was it. Wrong. So they would just come and chit chat with me. It's like, what is this, you know? And what a lazy life. I mean, you know, if you're a hedonist, by all means, enjoy. But I was here to do the work. Like I'm here to help people. So the other, either there are people who aren't sick, <laughs> which we know that's not true, or this insurance scam Mola brings you the wrong people. Yeah. 
So then when you do get a legitimate person who's paying out of pocket, who really needs help, these naturopaths, they haven't had enough experience because they've been chit-chatting with insurance junkies in their offices, right? And pushing paperwork, lots of paperwork. I'm, you know what? I'll take some good notes and I'll video the event if we're doing a virtual one, but I'm not doing the kind of paperwork they wanted me to do. That's, that's busy work. That's just wasting time. And uh, so I was happy when I left the whole licensing situation to not have to chart the way they want me to chart. I'll chart what I need to do so I can follow along the patient. Yeah. But I'm not going to chart for like all of the little diddly thing that they get involved with. So mm-hmm. it's so in, in a sense, I think if you're a free or independent practitioner, you, it's again, they're selling it. They're like, oh, Canada, they have this. Don't you want that? Don't you want these new things, these shiny things? Don't don't fall for it. <laughs> it's a way downhill. That's that's all I've seen over here in Canada. Yeah, interesting. And you mentioned before that education is a really big part of what you do to help your clients so that they get access to that information from all your wonderful knowledge that you have. And then the next time that something happens, they don't have to come back and see you. They can start taking control of their own health. Mm-hmm. And we're moving so far away from that now. We're at this point where it's almost like the patient has no control over their health their body can't heal itself. There's nothing that they can do. They can't prevent disease. So you must come to the professional. The professional holds all the answers. I think that's a very dangerous path to head down um, because in my opinion, and maybe I'd like to hear your opinion on this as well. We've overcomplicated health so much and I don't think it actually needs to be complicated because we're just using the body's own innate healing capacity. So we just give it a few little things to get it along the way, remove the things that are actually contributing to the problem and get out of the way and let the body do the rest. But now it's just like your body can't do that. You need a pill. You need this, you need that. And you can't heal yourself. You got to come to me every week. Yes. It's a disempowering. It's, it's all to steal your, your energy away. You know, to drain you as far as your pocketbook, but also to drain your your life force, your your real um, willpower. And this is a I see everything happening as a transfer of great power. And we're really um, have like a a line in the sand. We're either going to be fully empowered and autonomous and spiritual adults, or we still need the ward. We need mommy and daddy to hold our hands and tell us what to do and how to wipe our noses and how to, you know, make our beds. So it's a decision whether you want to be an adult or you want to still remain a child. And the ward or the states, like our governments who are the parents, they're getting a little more heavy handed because in a sense, we're not growing up. (laughs) So they're like, well, there's too many kids in the house and they're making a mess. So uh, (laughs) we got to get rid, kick out some of them. So grow up or you're out, you know, in, in the streets. So um, it's that I see it as that. And also that we're, we're meant to be empowered beings. We're meant to remember, you know, who we are and our capabilities. And we're remembering a lot about us. Those of us who are doing the awakening work and are, are able to see, um, there's some really important transformations that we're going through that you're not going to see 
on even social media most of the time uh, because first of all, it's deeply personal, but secondly, um, it, would, it would be shut down quite quickly because if everyone realized that we were awakening, <laughs> it would catch on, right? So, but that's fine. It's still going to catch on. It still has been catching on. Uh, we just have to go about our business and focus and leave all else. And we're doing our education and we're trying to, to help as many as we can, but ultimately we're creating the new systems and um, we're upping our game. Personally, we're upping our game. So everybody just needs to realize that if they want to get out of the state of fear um, and uh, come into their empowerment, then it means being an adult and being an adult means you have to do things you might not want to do. It might be a little discomforting or, or painful in, at the beginning, but there's a payoff at the end. It's worth it in the end. Um, so if you have to like stop eating sugar and wheat and dairy and garbage, uh, you're going to have some withdrawal symptoms and that's painful. But then once you do, you're going to feel better and you're going to be proud of yourself and you're going to realize how strong you are. And then you're going to be able to do more of that. And and it's just going to catch. So, and that's what we teach. We teach like Dr. Means teacher. And we teach that, you know, the body is not a garbage dump. So stop putting garbage in your body. That's step one, including the poison shots and all of these things. And if we just prevented it, you wouldn't need to see any practitioner. You would know how to go outside and, and pick the herbs and make the tea and, and do the simple things in life. Your simple hygiene principles, using water, using sunlight, using barefoot on the earth, you know, all of these things. And so we need to return to that and remember that um, and then help the body detox itself, help the body get rid of the waste. You can't always control all of it because this insane industrial, you know, a complex has been poisoning us on every possible level. I mean, air, water, food, drugs, stress, television, media, any way they can put a poison in you, they want to do that because they have the agenda, the underlying agenda is a eugenicist type of agenda, which means that they are megalomaniacs and they see the little ones like us as just chattel or cattle or something to be manipulated. And because we consent to it, they do it. They trick us into consenting but they still offer it and we still go for it. Um, if everybody just stood up today and said, yeah, no, we're good. We, we don't buy this hoax anymore. It'd be over. They'd have no power. There's nothing much they could do. They, they can't even come out with the guns of Berlin because there's free will. They can't overcome that. There's a spiritual law that has to be recognized, right? So we actually hold all the power. And if you just start making those decisions little by little, then you step into your freedom. And I, I really think even all this evil going on, it's designed for us to awaken. It's, it's like putting the pressure on because I've been going through this my whole life. So can you imagine you've been asleep your whole life and now you got to wake up all of a sudden to all of these things. That's pretty profound. And maybe that's the way they wrote their story and kudos to them because I wouldn't want to wake up like that. But you know, you're either going to wake up or perish at this point. So make those decisions. And it's wonderful when you do. It really is. Um, and it gives you not just like hope or what I call hopium, 
um, which is very addictive because hopium is like someone else is going to save me. Mm. <laughs> someone else is going to do it for me. Not this time. Not this time. This time it's you. You're your own savior. You're the one that comes in and does the work. Yeah. So if you're lazy on it, I don't think you're going to get too far. Well, everyone looks at this as such a, a bad situation that we're currently in, but I actually think it's a good thing because it means that this is the start of the health revolution. This is the start of the awakening, the, the freedom revolution. We have to go through this process uh, to become free of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting that uh, the number of practitioners and just people in general that I speak to who either aren't aware of what's going on or they are starting to become aware and they think that it's a bad thing. Um, I'm all for it. I want more of it. I want this to continue because the longer this continues, the more that people are going to wake up. So an example of that is um, down in Victoria in, in Australia, they've been hit by the most strict and harsh lockdowns possibly of anywhere in the world. And they've recently just gone into another lockdown. And, you know, the first time they did these lockdowns, everyone was scared. Everyone was obeying the rules. No one was stepping out of line. The second time they did it, yeah, most people were, but some started to question it. The third time, now a lot more people are going, hang on a second. What's going on here? Um, You know, just the garden variety, average mum and dad who's got no idea about health or wellness or any of this other stuff going on in the background are now starting to wake up. So I agree with what you said when in a way they might sort of be doing this to try and help us all to to wake us up because I don't think this would happen without the stuff that's going on now in the world. It has to get really uncomfortable for people to make a change at this point. And I also think there's more of an expression, an emotional expression you know, in, in holistic medicine, natural medicine, we understand that expression is the way to heal. So when the body is throwing something off or a symptom is coming, that's the body actually taking action and making a change um, that's quite significant because it's trying to get rid of things and build new things. And when we're emotional, we repress anything or suppress anything that builds up and that can cause disease. So even emotional suppression can lead to disease. And what I see happening on mass is this, um, well, fear for one. So that's some kind of energy that people are, are working through and trying to identify themselves. And also the mask wearing is like a shame um, sort of process for people where they're, they're really sitting in toxic shame for a while. And in a way, that's partly something that they're working through, um, whether they'll achieve that, whether they have the strength to overcome it or not. We don't know those answers yet, but I do feel like we're doing some sort of healing on a deeper level emotionally here about our past and our shame and our guilt and and rage and all of these energies are coming to the forefront to actually be expressed and dealt with and, and reintegrated back into ourselves because you can't, if you're going to be a conscious being, that means you, all your subconscious uh, cues and damage comes to the front of your mind, comes to your conscious mind. And that has to be processed and, and, and then rectified and integrated with the self and accepted 
So in part, I think that's going on. And in the hardest hit areas, I feel that we have the most to sleep. So in Toronto area, they just did a, a third lockdown just again today. And I'm like, okay, well, I've been down there and they degraded, they degraded, you know, Ontario pretty good. <laughs> They're some of the most asleep people I've ever met in my life. And I've traveled all over this, this earth. And I have seen some incredible minds and incredible people. And yet I, then I come into Toronto and they're the most self-righteous, narcissistic, dull-minded group of people. I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm from here. <laughs> I'm slightly embarrassed, right? But I realized that if that's the pressure valve that they need to figure it out, you're right, that'll be what's there. So we're trying to understand it from I'd say from a 5D. So I come in on things on 3D, mm. you know, this is wrong. This is against the law. This is where, you know, where we need to step in. This is how these things work. And then we come in in the 5D perspective. Well, it actually is good in the long run because of all of these reasons, right? And if you understand how to traverse the dimensions in your thinking, then it all does start to make sense of what's why this is going on now. And how do you see the human race or humanity moving forward through all of this is, do you think that there's a um, plan or a process that we should start thinking about putting in place to re-empower people, to get them to know that they are in control of their own health and well-being, um, that they are all powerful. Is there a, a plan or a, um, a set of guidelines or st a structure that we can put in place to move towards that ultimate end goal? Or do you think this is just going to all sort of unravel by itself? How do you see this playing out? Um, well, I, I only have my perspective, obviously, from, from where I look out from. And so far, what I feel is is quite structured. Um, and there's a lot of um, creations happening and, and uh, new systems new old systems coming through and um and information like we've never i can't keep up with the amount of information in, in my reality i know we have mass censorship i mean heavy-handed censorship because they know we're waking up and they have to keep their lie pretty tightly controlled as best as they can but not not touching it's not affecting me it's all coming to me so those of us, I think, who are in tune, it'll resonate and we'll get that information. Like a lot of people don't know about the Antiquitech um, from, say, like Turkmenistan, for example. They already are using and have been using um, static electricity um, generators in their Antiquitech buildings that will collect from the air and give free electricity to all households. I mean, wow. we have that tech. It's very, very beautiful and elegant, and, and it's right there. It's sitting, like, go look at Turkmenistan. They have it active right now, and all we need to do is adopt that and get rid of all these stupid, ugly wires and these stupid transformers and all these stupid companies that rip you off and make you poor and make you work the nine-to-five and this, the stuff we didn't want anyway. Did we want? I didn't want. I wouldn't have ever wanted that. I, I worked those slave jobs so I could get out of those jobs. So I could get an education that would make sure that I could become my own boss, which I am. 
right? I can make my own money and make my own decisions. Not everybody's built like that, I understand, right? But at the same time, I knew that that's not the lifestyle that I think is a thriving lifestyle. Are we really meant to work like that? No, not at all. We're, we could have like a three-day, half-day work week and the rest is creating and playing and having, you know, uh, making beautiful art, you know, none of this Marxist, disgusting, breakdown, apocalyptic, nightmarish, yucky, Frankfurt school, cultish nastiness. It's just, it's just dark and dystopian. We don't want that. And we don't deserve that. So they can, the, the, the whatever demonic psychopaths can fester in their own, you know, soup for a while until they AI themselves into oblivion. Mm-hmm. But we'll just get back to eating plants and walking through the forest and picking the mushrooms and <laughs> listening to what the wisdom of the trees says and say to us and, 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 you know, growing our own food and, and teaching the children about the sacredness of water and get the air back right again. And, mm-hmm. and once we get the technologies, we won't need to use these 5g systems or any of these. We don't even need to use their, their messy materials anymore so we just have to get through the transition and that's the if you know obviously you understand about the life force when we're trained in the life force in naturopathic medicine and it's just the amount of um, momentum or, or kernel of energy that is available to surmount something that can be kind of a an overcoming event right like a healing crisis so we're in like a mass healing crisis and those who have enough life force will overcome. And that's why I've been prepping and preparing, you know, all kinds of things for many years. Um, I know how to, I'm not going to be caught in a storm in Texas. I would never, you know, I know that they geoengineer the weather and that they do all these crazy things to us. So I'm not going to be reliant on a system that's lost its bearing, right? We have to stop doing that. We have to stop paying into it and we have to stop thinking it's going to support us anymore. Um, I just had a call with a client where the hospital has, you know, taken their loved one who had a myocardial infarction and they just shove him on a vent and they're saying they're not going to resuscitate him. And they're just absolutely mental They're It's like something, something got into their brains. Like they have no compassion. They, they're cruel. Uh, they're cold um, and it's just nasty. Like you don't ever, I don't know anyone who has a centered, like a heart centered approach to life would ever talk to someone like how these people have been spoken to and treated. It's, it's disgusting. You know, you don't wish harm upon people and you, you know, what there's a right and a wrong here. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that needs to be, be looked at, but yeah, I just prepare, you know, just those are the considerations. How, how would I help myself if, you know, the power grid goes down? How would I eat and how would I get heat if I need heat or if I need cooling? How would I do that, et cetera, et cetera. Not from fear, but just from preparedness and how could I do this, you know, on, on my own until we get to where we, we need to be. Yeah, yeah almost um, coming full circle to where we once were. And mm-hmm getting back, as he said, in touch with nature, getting out in the sun, getting clean air, getting fresh water, having clean thoughts, not having to be stressed out, working a nine to five job, 
not being bombarded left, right, and center with chemicals and things in our food and pesticides, herbicides, all the stuff in makeup and hair products and whatever else. These are all the things that are making us sick. And there's this search for, you know, how do, how do we get healthy again? What are the things that are making us sick? Oh, it's probably something, you know, invisible, an invisible enemy that's causing all of this. And it's not, we know what the answer is. We already have the answer to good health. It's just getting re in tune with that and allowing people to realize how simple it is because medicine has been so overcomplicated and we just go smaller and smaller and smaller. Every time we find something new, we've got to work out what's the exact mechanism. How does this work? How does it, um, you know, contribute to disease? Where I think what we really need to be doing is taking a more macro approach, just going out, looking at it from a really big, larger perspective, and that's going to be the answer. Um, we're in some really dire times at the moment, and I th I think of this, you know, when were people the most free, happy, and healthy? And I might be wrong, but I I keep coming back to the point of the early 1900s where we were free of disease. We were free of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer. Most people worked for themselves. Like, yeah, sure. There were probably some people who were working in factories and things, but we hadn't gone through that modern agriculture um, period of time. A lot of people were working on the land or they were doing things with their hands to, to better their own lives. They had a skill. Now we don't have any of these things. So that's sort of how I see us, um, overcoming all this is just coming full circle back to how our ancestors lived. Um, probably an easier thing to say than do, but yeah, I, I hope that that's the way out of this. Um, and much like you, I'm, I'm looking to try and simplify my life and make things a little bit easier, get back out into the land, start growing my own vegetables um, and getting in touch with nature. I think that's the real key. And yeah. Everything is there for us. It was always meant to be that way. And I, my question that I've been asking lately is, is the why, why did we have to fall or why did that happen? We had everything. We had free tech. We had all the, the beautiful things in this place. So what, you know, what happened to get us to this situation and, and what's the bigger why? Why did it have to happen? Is there something significant now in our consciousness uh, that we needed to be aware of? Maybe we needed to understand what evil was because maybe we were too innocent. Maybe we forgot about that or like, I believe that all the history has been rewritten. I don't believe a lot of what we're told. Um, I think they, they lied about how violent we were um, and how rough it was. I don't believe any of it. I don't believe in their evolution stories. I don't, none of it. Uh, I've looked deeply in all of these topics and pretty much 99% of what they've offered in schools are, isn't true. Mm. So it's easier to come at the knowledge actually when you just throw it all away and start fresh and then bring in the new information and, and reintegrate um, but that's really who we were and we have all the abilities for living uh, well and simply. And you're right about this, this somehow it's like we got myopic. We, we, we got very 
uh, focused on these little things. We wanted to know, maybe our curiosity got the best of us, you know, like we wanted to know what God did to like make us work, right? But when you get lower and lower into it, you actually get more confused because how could you even in a 3D perspective, understand that. I don't think that's possible, you know. Everything just comes down to empty space and, and some vibratory stuff, right? So how do you rectify that? Um, and then it's all down to interpretation, and a lot of interpretation is incorrect, right? So if your baseline story is wrong, just like the germ theory being incorrect, then all the rest of your minutia coming forward, all of your so-called science is just coming back around to prove the false story. So it's just a circular argument. You actually don't get anywhere in science. And I, the idea of just being afraid of the invisible is part of the con job going on here. And we have to overcome the, this huge lie. And you know what? I don't think we would have had these conversations. I mean, I was already exposing the germ theory the errors of the germ theory and that viruses don't exist and that contagion is a myth and these sorts of things quite a few years ago. Um, but now look at us, like now look at the conversations we're having now, look at the science we're digging up um, and the amount of people's minds that are going, Whoa, this was all make believe this was using the power of our minds to manifest all kinds of lies. I mean, how many people have you heard who go into the doctor and they tell them, well, you're going to die in three months, you know, or uh, you have cancer and it's really bad and you'll probably be dead in six months, right? Like they somehow can predict someone's death all of a sudden, which is not very scientific at all, if you ask me. But um, what they're doing is they program the thinking and uh, they oftentimes will die almost right on target of when they were told they would die, Yes. right? So, so to be aware, and then it validates their their magic show and they say oh well see they knew it was going to happen but it it's the opposite it worked the other way so if you tell someone they're going to live and they can just dissolve their tumor it's just a symptom it's actually the, the tumor is the healing phase of the body it's the last phase of the healing they already were sick and they've gone through all the stuff already and if they continue to express and to uh, you get their nutrition up and to stop poisoning themselves they will completely heal and they won't have complications, then that's what will happen nine times out of 10. So there's, it's really just what the story is that you tell yourself that's really the most important. And look at the stories they've been telling us lately. Look at the, the lies that people will believe. Look, look at how absurd it had to get. I mean, I think they're making it more absurd to go, oh, oh gosh, I mean, we could literally tell them to hang upside down when they sleep overnight and that will help them not get this boogeyman virus yeah. and they would probably do it. That's, I mean, <laughs> the extent of, of, of where people have let fear rule them. Yes. But there'll be people at that point who go, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. That seems really ridiculous. Right. Just like wearing two masks and having an anal swab sounds a little ridiculous as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, so Again, you're right. I think we're we're stepping back. We're seeing the big picture, and we're correcting our our errors on mass. And for those of us who already are awake and know about this, we're information. Uh, we're doing these these minutiae, these refinements, 
and I just get up every day and work <laughs> and do what's before me, the work before me in helping as many people as possible to lift up their frequency and come into the, the path of self-responsibility. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk about like the power of belief and uh, I can't remember the name of the book now, but it was one written by Joe Dispenza and he goes through and he talks about placebo and nocebo. And he was talking about this gentleman who had, I think it was throat cancer. And the doctor said, you're going to die before Christmas was the end of the year. And the guy said, you know, please God help me. I don't want to die before Christmas. I want to spend Christmas with my family. So anyway, a month or so later, uh, I might be incorrect on some of the finer details here, but a month or so later, he had another scan. He was free from cancer. He didn't have this cancer in his throat anymore. And he lived through Christmas. And then in January or February, he started to get his symptoms coming back. And by March, he was dead. Right. Cured <laughs> himself with his thoughts because he wanted to live to, to spend Christmas with his family. And then I also read this other paper. I think it was published in like a medical journal in the early 1900s where they did these experiments on some uh, group of men and exposed them to uh, an influenza virus. And in one of the excerpts of the paper, it actually said there was one guy who was questioning whether or not he was getting the placebo or he was getting the, the virus. So they um, told him, oh, you, you got the virus. We gave you, exposed you to the virus. And by that afternoon, he became sick. He started developing symptoms. And then the next morning, the nurse comes in and says, actually, you know what? We gave you the placebo. We didn't expose you to the virus. And then an hour later, he was better, right? Mm -hmm. So it all came from in here. It was nothing to do with this infection, right? Mm -hmm. So the power of our mind is incredibly important. And that's why I get concerned when all we see is fear and um, hate and bad vibes being pushed in our face day in, day out. What's it doing to us? Are we manifesting something that may come back and bite us in 10 years time in some you know, really horrendous sort of disease state that we can't undo because we've been in fear for, for five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is why I try and get my clients and, and people in my family uh, and close friends and relatives to get out of that state of fear. Mm -hmm. I believe that that's where a lot of disease comes from is, is all in the mind. And mm -hmm. the sooner that we can identify that and come to terms with that, the better off we're going to be. And, you look at the research, and I'm sure you know this, with many pharmaceutical drugs and even herbal and nutritional medicines, a lot of the effect comes from a placebo or a, a nocebo effect. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really is, I think, uh, it has a lot to do with um, the answer that we want, is identifying that it's all in our mind. It's, we, and we have control over our thoughts and feelings, and we can either create what we want in this life um, good things, or we can create what we don't want in this life based on our thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And a lot of people have a hard time with paradoxes and I never did. I always could hold two somewhat opposed or seemingly opposing views in my head at the same time. 
So I can understand where we have placebo, nocebo, and I can also understand when, you know, a baby is being poisoned by say a vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. They they don't know what they're being given um, necessarily. I I can't prove that, but we're going to assume that, you know, maybe an unconscious or a person or a child or an animal is not uh, consciously aware that they're being given something or or not, and they'll still be poisoned by it, right? So there's both. There's both where you can be helped by something good or poisoned by something bad, whether you know it or not. Mm. And there's the power of the nocebo and placebo effect on top of it. In fact, I can't remember where I read this particular study. I don't know if it was a Candace Per book or Bruce Lipton book or something like that. They were talking about how they did a study on the colors of the pharmaceutical medications, whether it's white, blue, red pill, whatever the color pill is. And I think it was blue pill was seen to have more of a placebo effect than white when white came second or something like that. So they even had the colors <laughs> figured out and how people registered the color to how effective the medication would be for them. Right. Yeah. So it, it's there, uh, you know, read a Sorry, paper, um, I think that was an antidepressant paper and they did the same thing. They gave them, you know, the, citalopram or whatever the chemical substance was and they gave it in different colors and yet yeah. a certain color worked and then the other colors didn't work but it was the same chemical substance so yeah yeah that. very fascinating isn't it yeah oh yeah i remember when i read that and i was like ha look at that so so the irony how they how they project right how always it's that so if you if you're an ego or you're in the false self whatever you actually are, you will see in others. You will project it onto others and say, you're that, right? So it's the same thing with this fake pharma med. It's like they're, they're imprinting pretendness onto it like, and giving it out and you're just believing it as a projection rather. So it's actually the, a placebo. So pharma med's the placebo and holistic med is the real stuff like homeopathy is is real medicine yes. but it gets labeled as placebo because they're projecting what they're doing onto us right and that's what narcissists and psychopaths do and we know they're all pretty much like that um that's one of the books I've i've been writing a few books here and there and one of them is about the medical cult and how they're they're toe-to-toe with the basic narcissism and the behaviors so um if you go into a doctor and they gaslight you and tell you that couldn't have possibly been that drug that hurt you or couldn't have possibly been that shot that hurt you, right? And you know that once you did that, you had a problem. That's gaslighting. That's what narcissists do. They, they deny your experience completely, right? How many, and we're seeing even more of it. It's like, that's what I mean. It's like ramping up. So can you see it now? Can you see how nuts they are? Now, <laughs> how many times do you need to be abused before you leave the narcissist, right? Um, and that's, that's where we're at. We're making that decision whether we like to be abused or we're done being abused. And personally, I'm, I've been done for a long time with that nonsense. So, Seems like a lot of people in this day and age like to be abused and they um, thank their abusers. And when you were talking about the the drug and someone has an adverse reaction and they go to their doctor and they say, this was the thing that, that did it. I say, Oh no, no, it wasn't that on the flip side of the coin. If something adverse happened to a client 
and they'd been taking turmeric pills. And the doctor says, have you been taking anything recently that might've contributed to that? I started taking turmeric pills last week. Well, it was the turmeric pills. You better stop taking them, you know? So it works, it works one way, but not the other way. And it's Mm -hmm. frustrating to, to see that happening. I'm seeing a lot of that with um, projection of danger. So I'm seeing a lot of, you know, the, they call them the blue check wankers. So the, the, the celebrity actors. So guess what? If they're actors, they're professional liars. So you might want to just take that with a grain of salt. Um, but the blue check wankers coming out and saying, you know, oh, all of these people who are conspiracy theorists because they love to label things they, they don't understand um, are saying, you know, there's no virus and, and the germ theory is false or whatever the thing is, or the PCR test is false, which it is. Um, they're, they're dangerous what they're doing. So it's dangerous. They'll say these words, but again, they're projecting, right? Because what's the real danger is that they feel threatened by the knowledge because it's dangerous to their illusion bubble, the illusion bubble they've fashioned around them. So they look at that information as dangerous because it's dangerous to their illusions that they're, they're demented into. And they don't want to be wrong and they don't want to do the, the pain, the pain of unfolding that and realizing that they've been greatly misled and also they've been possibly misleading and hurting others. And that's a very difficult thing for people to deal with. Um, the guilt can be quite overwhelming. So, you know, I get it from a psychological perspective, but um, hey, I had to go through my own enlightenment pain so I don't see how you can get around it. You know, I had to realize where my faults were. I had to look at myself constantly and, and turn over the sculpture of my ego and see all the areas where I project or where I lie to myself or where I, you know, um, act out in certain ways and, and have behaviors that are not loving. And it was hard to look at that. There were a lot of tears. It's not... It's not like it's a fun awakening is a super fun, awesome process, um, you know, yeah. quite the opposite, but it's there for you. And then there's gifts after there's rewards after there's a sense of grounded peace that you carry that can never be touched by anybody's words or actions or anything. Again, you know, you could be in the middle of a forest fire and you would be calm, you know, that's a master. So I think we're working on mastery and uh, I'm, I wouldn't claim that of myself because I think we're always becoming as long as we're in the flesh, we're becoming. So, you know, we're ever moving toward something in our, inside of our souls and we're making sure that we're listening to ourselves and honoring ourselves and um, listening to God. You know, I have a deep relationship with divine source. I, I don't, I, I never felt, like we were just alone here, you know, um, even though at times I felt angry, <laughs> deeply angry about the injustices going on mm. um, and the why of it. But that didn't mean I didn't feel that we still have a connection that's quite something. And I was obsessed because of it, um, reading, you know, um, out-of-body experiences and people who crossed over and came back. I read, I think I read everything and listened to everything I could get my hands on in university because I I needed to know what was happening there. It settled me. It helped me 
know that it's beautiful. Ultimately, what we are is beautiful. And ultimately, what we are is very um, unconditionally loved. And we, we don't get, we just punish ourselves. We don't get punished. We, we set that up for ourselves. Um, ultimately, we are a beautiful, you know, soul inside. So it doesn't matter what you think you've done wrong. Forgive yourself and let go and in, invite, you know, your own awakening process. And it's, it's definitely worth going through for so many different reasons. So I, I, hope, I hope and pray for that for, for everybody. And uh, especially for, you know, this beautiful place. I mean, this world is so gorgeous. I mean, just look at it. It's magical. It's mystical. It's beyond the beyond. And nobody wants to destroy our home. Um, it's being used that way, like to manipulate us, this whole um, self-attack that's happening on the muzzling the self and this the climate change hoax and, you know, trying to tell us that carbon is bad and trying, but carbon's good now. So carbon's bad yeah. in the air if we burn fossil fuels, but it's good if you rebreathe it. <laughs> so it's bad, good. Yeah, right. Okay. Hope yeah. you got that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing's going to make sense in their, in their realm no. anymore. So, yeah. and that's a good thing in a way. <laughs> well, you know, as you said, um, we didn't just end up here in, in this um, mindset and this perspective because we just dreamt it up, right? It's because we looked at the facts. We thought about what's going on critically. And for me, I mean, I arrived at a lot of the, re the things that I believe because I've just read the studies. I've just gone and I've really peeled back the layers and looked at what does the science actually say? And I have just had to unlearn everything I've basically learned through my 10 years of learning stuff and multiple degrees. And um, that's been a painful process. And it was hard initially to face that. But now that I've done it, I feel so much better. And I think yeah. that that's sort of what's happening with a lot of people is uh, especially, you know, healthcare practitioners who have done 15, 20 years of study who are specialists or whatever they are in their field. They don't want to let go of that because it, because it is who they are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's very confronting. But as I said, once you do it, you become free and uh, it just opens your mind up to, as you said, how beautiful this world really is. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate because if somebody associates themselves with what they do as who they are, that means their ego is being entwined. So it's not they're not they haven't done that work of detaching and and understanding and controlling their ego. They have been um, they're running the ego. So the ego is and it feels like you're going to die. That's what's what's so hard about it when you're that attached to your ego, you feel like if you change your mind, it's like a death type of event. And you need either a spiritual guide, teacher, or some sort of um, individual to help you through a lot of that. I mean, I had teachers literally show up at my door, knock on the door and come live with me for a year and, and, and walk me through my ego uh, and see where I couldn't see myself, right? Because you're in you, you can't see you, you can only see a reflection of you. You can't, how can I, I can't take my eyeballs out and flip it around and see me, right? So that's why everything's in the mirror here. 
and everything's upside down and flipped and in the hall of mirrors, right? So we need others in order to see ourselves properly. And when, when you have someone who's a pure mirror, it can be challenging. Now I've been a clean mirror for a very long time. And as a result, I get a lot of people reacting to me uh, because they see themselves so clearly and they don't like the reflection. And then of course they project mm. and that's me and that sort of thing. So I've had a whole like lifetime of that. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Okay. That again. Mm-hmm. So I don't take it personally. <laughs> I used to take it personally. I'm like, but I'm not a bad person. I'm not like that. What's that's not fair. But I was, oh, now it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I see your stuff. And it's made me a really clear practitioner <laughs> because I can see if they project and I know what's going on in them, right? And, and then you can say, well, here, let me direct you into yourself and do some exercises, some specific structured types of exercises, you know, like inner child meditations where you, you know, look at your damaged, wounded inner child and you integrate it and, and heal. You know, that's a huge piece for people. A lot of what's going on are just these damaged inner children just having temper tantrums all day long yeah you know yeah so there there are these sorts of this is just one small exercise but there's many like that and i think that helps people really come to terms with accepting themselves and that it wasn't their fault whatever happened to them as a child the the needs that never got met you know and that developed their ego the way it did it wasn't their fault it just it just was part of the setup of the lessons for them to learn and when they get that, then you can switch things really quick. You can switch on a dime. You can let go of something like in two seconds. So if you think you're a virologist and you had all this figured out and you wrote all these books and you did all this science and you think you're a big hotshot and you heal your inner child and realize you were wrong, you'd be like, holy moly. Wow. That's, that's man. Wow. Okay. So now what do you do? Right. You have to fix it. You will want to fix it. How many parents have lost their children to vaccine injuries and their whole life is about honoring that and teaching other people about what happened to them. And, you know, they made a mistake. They believed that that was real, that, that, you know, these diseases, this is how it goes. They just followed along and they got victimized by it and that woke them up. And now they're out there sharing their stories over and over again. And they have power behind their words because of that experience. Right. Just like I went through agricultural biotechnology, I did genetically modified organisms in the lab. I know how dangerous that crap is. Okay, I did it and I was wrong to do it, meaning it's definitely not an advancement on humanity. It's a way to destroy humanity. And so, but there's power behind it when you've actually gone through those experiences. So it's, again, it's, they're all setups meaning for you to achieve it and then have the full perspective because that's really mastery. Mastery is, is the pendulum, I, I describe it as the pendulum swing where you go from one extreme to the other extreme. And then you see the, the spectrum. And then once you come into the neutral center and you walk through the eye of the needle and you go through the Trinity, you've mastered it. You, you, you've got the, that sphere inside of you. So when someone says, oh, well, how could you know this? Well, no, I've, I've traversed that side and I can, I can empathize with where you're at because I was also there, right? Mm. And that means you can not make an enemy of someone. You can, you can actually say, oh, I, I was pro-vax or I, I was never, but I'm saying those people, right? I was like that. I was like you. I did. I was exactly where you were. I feel you. I hear you. I see you. And I know 
and now I'm here and this is why. And, and that's how, how it can help people not make you just get your back up in an argument in a defensive way. Like uh, Larkin Rose's A Candle in the Dark, I mentioned because it's a way of like finding commonality with someone when you're trying to introduce new information. Mm. Like, oh yeah, I've had that experience too. Or do you like vanilla ice cream? I like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I like vanilla. Yeah, yeah. See, we're, we're friends. <laughs> we like the same things. So, and do you know that maybe governments sometimes kill their own people? Have you ever heard that in history that maybe that happened? You know, <laughs> yeah, I could get behind that. Yes. Do you think could be happening again? Hmm. <laughs> Penny for your thoughts. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we have a lot of work to do. That's for sure. But it's good to have uh, good people like yourself, Amanda, saying exactly how you feel about the whole situation, speaking the truth, standing up, uh, becoming a voice for those who are either too afraid to say anything or those that haven't found their voice yet. So thank you for doing what you do and continue to keep doing what you do. Um, You mentioned that you're writing a book. When that comes out, let me know because I'd love to read it. Do you think it's going to be anytime soon or is it still (laughs) far away? It's a while away um, because I can't seem to get to my writing lately, but I know how this whole show works. I, I know that everything always changes. That's the only real constant is change. And so there'll be a situation that'll present itself that will open it up for me to do that. And I'll know, I'll know that'll be the time. And then I won't have to force it and it'll just come. Like the book, the, the cult book, actually, all of my structure and all of my outline has been long written. Um, but I actually had a, I decided to invite someone else who was an expert on cults to write with me. And he had a, a little bit of a personal agenda, not his fault, just a situation. So I, I didn't like the way that it was changing the book. So I have to go back to the first drafts and kind of restructure again. But that's, a, that's again, how life works. It opens this way and then it takes you on a spiral and it goes this way until the dance is complete and I don't force things I just let them let them be because if I force it then it's my ego and then I'm not doing the work the divine work I'm just doing my own thing and I'm not here to do my own thing I wouldn't come I wouldn't come back to this joint if it was just to you know get off on some you know hedonistic joyride <laughs> I would have done that in the over over there <laughs> I wouldn't thought I could do that here so I don't need the yachts and the whatever (laughs) this I find that also strange there's you know the accumulation of billions of dollars the billionaires like to me that is so warped that's a warped way to think and and that power that these have that I think that makes them insane actually um to have that much power and control if I were a billionaire everyone would just be rich (laughs) just build everybody their their off-grid, you know, free electricity stuff. And that'd be fun, but, oh, cool. you know, and, but that's it, not for me. Go. That you bring that up. Um, and I won't take up too much of your, more of your time, but uh, I did some figures the other day on how much money's been spent around the world on 
trying to manage COVID. And it was some ungodly amount of money that's been wasted on this whole thing. And I worked out that it's enough to end world hunger for about 1100 years. So when you look at how many people are affected by world hunger or poverty who are dying Mm -hmm. every day, it is multitudes of times higher than the people who are supposedly dying of COVID. Right. So governments were really concerned about our health and they wanted to help humanity and to save lives they would have put that money into ending world hunger and poverty, but they haven't. So it really does just go to show exactly what the underlying agenda is here. You know, they haven't oh, yeah. pretty straight. No, yeah. it's um, there's so much to see in the behavior. I mean, what a, and just all the plastic waste upsets me as well. Like here we've had this whole movement to like ban straws and yet now we're PPEing every little nook and cranny of our world. Okay. Um, whatever. <laughs> right. Whatever floats your boat, not one mask, but two that you're going to throw away into the ocean. It's going to turtles going to choke on. So we're not, they're just not going to choke on the straws. They're just going to choke on the masks. Got it. Got it. And those masks don't have to go into biohazard bins either. They can just be discarded anywhere in, in public. And, uh, you know, that supposedly should be a, a biohazard. That's another thing I've found really perplexing about the whole situation as well. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Well, I think I feel that, you know, a lot of people who are stuck, you know, they're stuck in their thinking or they're feeling really depressed or down or feeling really frustrated or any of those energies because it's the going energy right now that just invite yourself to find something constructive to do that will um, get you through those energies and into something that is creative and to try to restructure your thinking that you know, it's not going to go back to the way it was. It's done now. That's finished now. Um, These institutions are bankrupt and they are trying to save themselves by making new currencies and things. Um, The way that, that they're trying to structure this is so that they rule over you. So um, I think if there's anybody who are, they're hoping that this will just be over and they'll go back to normal and that sort of thing just to just think about all kinds of creative ways where we could live in a harmonic and peaceful way and yet still stand strong in our true warrior nature and not allow us to be bullied because really even in law um they have really nothing over us um they can make up stuff all they want but it's you don't have to accept that it's a commercial transaction. You're, you're, you're a corporation and they're all corporations. There's no true governments anymore, which means it's all commercial law. So you say, oh, that's an offer, like a contract offer. And you can say, no, thank you. So if you, if you just want to open your business and you want to take the fines, then you just hand them back, no contract, not interested. And if they try to drag you into court, like they've been dragging me into court, you serve them your bill because it's commercial, right? Like, do you work for free? I don't work for free. So say, oh, well, thank you for the invite. I'm 
I'm being summoned, which is an order, and you're threatening my well-being by summoning me. So here, by the way, I don't work for free. And also, I don't offer credit. Sorry. Um, if you pay me the, you know, the $8,000 to show up, I'll, I'll see you there. Otherwise, have a nice day, right? And understanding your fiduciary rights and things. These are important areas to look into. Uh, whether you do a common law structure, which I'm, I think bringing back common law courts for later is a noble enterprise, but I don't think right now we're there. I personally think I don't want to go and have a trial. I don't need, I, I got shit to do, pardon my French, but so I don't need to be <laughs> doing trial of my, my peers and all that. No, I'm going to write my bill and you're going to pay it. And then if you pay it, we can have a conversation, right? Exactly. So we actually can say yes or no. And guess what? If they are doing something wrong and you aren't, then you can say, show me where I've gone wrong. Show me the thing I've done wrong, right? Not the law I've broken, not any of that. It's not the statute. Show me, prove that I did something wrong, please. The courts will go, oh, they don't like that because they're actually wrong and you're in the right. Unless you've killed someone or, or injured someone privately, if there's no injured party and you have done no malice or done nothing, but you've broken their statute that they made up out of thin air, show me where I've done what I've done wrong as a man or a woman. What have I done wrong? Nothing. So it's just corporate money at that point. Yeah. So, right. So let's simplify all this stuff and let's sue the crap out of them. Everybody should be serving all of these institutions, notices of liability, affidavits, serving them bills, pile it up. Every man and woman can do this. Everyone can start to do it. It's not difficult at all. Set them up for the, for the lawsuits and start. start. That's the only way we're going to shut them up, basically. And we have that power to do it. So the law is on our side, not theirs. They're making it up as they go along. They're liars and thieves and thugs. They don't care about your health. They don't care about you. So why are you complying with, with thugs? Because you have Stockholm Syndrome? Well, then you better, you know, take a look in the mirror and get out of the cult and, and do your paperwork. So that's, we have the power. We've got it. So that's what I want to leave the message with people in their minds is that you have all the power to make all these decisions yourself and take these these controllers off your backs and live the way god intended so that's oh, wonderful thanks amanda such wise words and um your message is really powerful and a lot of people listen to what you have to say and as i said before thank you so much for continuing to say what you are saying speaking out we need more strong women like you and it does seem like women have really risen to the occasion in this uh, last 12 months. It's usually the men who are standing up and speaking out, but this time it's, it's the women. And, um, you know, I really appreciate people like yourself doing what you're doing. So thank you so much. And I hope to stay in contact with you and um, hopefully we can have another discussion maybe in three or six months when things might've changed and we can sort of reflect on things that have, have happened where we were and then where we are. So yeah, always good to have uh, people like you on, on the side of truth and, and freedom. Thank you. 
Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.